Hello and welcome to the 909 Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be looking back at Electric Picnic 2019 and uh, discussing what happened in Strand Valley this weekend. Uh, just gone, and we'll also be talking uh, about our album of the week from uh, Lana Del Rey. It is Norman fucking Rockwell. Uh, I'm Nile Nine, and I'm joined by uh, two people today. We've got Andrea Cleary, as Hello. ever. Hi. And we've got Kelly Doherty. Hello. Hello, how are you? What's the crack? Mots, mots, mots. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Kelly, we've been talking a lot about this uh, Lana Del Rey album, which we'll talk about later, so you have a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited to share all okay, of them. Okay, good. Well, that's later on in the show, uh, but first we're going to talk about uh, Electric Picnic. Uh, myself and Kelly were there this weekend, just gone. Andrea? I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea? What would you like to know about Electric Picnic? I'd like to know... Um, that you didn't see already. I would like to know who your favourite act was, who your least favourite act that you saw was, and what the general crowd vibe situation was like. Okay, I guess it's been, what, 14, 15 years now that Electric Picnic has been going in Stride Valley? Mm. And it has become the biggest festival in Ireland. And uh, as part of it being the biggest festival in Ireland, it is now... The one that everybody knows and everyone goes to from all ages, from um, young kids and families to the dads who go to one festival a year. That's what I felt. I felt like there was a lot of dads there yeah. this year. Like they actually had an area this year called uh, Who Let the Dads Out, <laughs> which was, you know, their wacky trailer park area. But, it's like uh, Kasabian and <laughs> Razor Light. Yeah, it yeah. just felt like actually the right place for a lot of those people to be. <laughs> Are like, you sure that wasn't just Razor Light on the main yeah. stage? On the well, we can get to that. Um, yeah, uh, so I don't know. At this point now, Electric Breaking has kind of lost its magic for me. I've been there every year since the second year. So um, mm. it is what it is. I maybe have, I felt like I, I, I've said this before. I feel like I close my eyes and just wander around the site and I'd still know exactly where I was going. Although a few things had changed this year. The main thing was that out in the former Oscar Wilde campsite, there was a new area called Freetown, which was uh, basically uh, housed an 8,000 capacity dance arena. That was only used in the evening, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah for about four little. or five acts per day. Um, but generally speaking, to get the bat out of the way first, it was incredibly busy in the main arena still and way too busy for me to enjoy it at a part. I think it just felt like it was still too many people, too much going on, um, too much, even though they tried to address the sound bleed by putting up uh, wooden fences around certain um, tents and stuff. There's that thoroughfare where Casa Bacardi is and where like the Today FM section is and all the food trucks. There's just so much noise coming out from everywhere that it's actually overwhelming, <laughs> to mm. be honest, still. So I, I, I feel like Melvin Ben announced on Sunday, the uh, festival Republic director, announced that uh, they're going to add at least 5,000 people, maybe 10,000 next year. So in order to do that... I can't imagine how that site is going to cope mm. with uh, the sheer number of people who will be attracted to the main stage acts. So, Kelly, you were there on Friday. You yeah. saw Billie Eilish. Apparently, yeah. Billie Eilish had 57,000 people there. Yeah. Um, the capacity of the festival was 60,000. So That's nuts, isn't it? If you yeah, gather that there is probably another 20,000 people there in terms of bands, artists, vendors, performers, all that kind of stuff. Mm. A good chunk of those who were there on Friday, I wasn't there on the Friday, uh, actually went to see Billie Eilish. So... Um, mm. And I heard a lot of reports that like it was very busy and uncomfortably so to leave that area. And that's the main arena. And that yeah. should not be the case at this point. And I felt like that was a few times over the weekend where you were near the main arena because there's still so much stuff around there. 
you still have to go there. Um, that it just felt uncomfortably busy. Okay. And it's not a relaxing place to be. Like, I found myself in the last couple of years looking for places to go just to, like, sit down for five minutes or just to get away from some noise. Yeah. And that's, n- I just feel like they need to expand that main arena, take out some of that stuff that's already there, move it further out, spread things out more. They need to spread things out. Yeah. More. That's how I feel on it. Kelly, how many times have you been to the Electric Picnic? Um, I think I've been five times. I think, yeah, bar last year, each year in a row I went. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of, I super agree with you on it kind of like every time you went near the main stage, it kind of felt like you were stepping into a war zone. Um, whether you intended to be at the main stage or not. I was lucky enough with like Billie Eilish and I'd say with the 1975 as well that I was close enough to the front that I, it wasn't too... I was like close enough to the music that that was like taking my concentration yeah. so I didn't mind it too much but leaving it was just absolute hell like I was starting to get like super claustrophobic and I'm fine with crowds like but yeah. I was starting to get super claustrophobic leaving Billie Eilish because it felt like I've been walking for like 20 minutes we'd all lost each other because there was no way of holding on to each other yeah. and you were still just not seeing an end to just packed crowd um so you know that's not great and it was the same even when uh Jess Flint uh Jess Flint Jess Glim was playing um and I was just coming from the poetry tent I was just trying to get somewhere else uh, and we just got caught in like masses of people running towards us yeah. and like we weren't intentionally there like that shouldn't be happening in the main arena yeah yeah like I spent a fair bit of time in the minefield this uh weekend past because I was there DJing at the banquet the charity do uh twice a day and that it was quite an oasis of calm actually because mm-hmm. it was like a sit down nice meal for charity um but the whole time i was there you could still feel the bass rumbles from all of the tents mm-hmm. and in my head there's no reason for a minefield which houses uh mostly spoken word stages to be right behind the main stage yeah and 100 it yeah. just doesn't make any sense anymore like it's like why is that there it could be in its own calmer area way further out uh in the arena somewhere so I don't know. That's one of the things I felt. I was like, if they are going to do this next year, they really need to address that. Mm. Um, I think the thing about Electric Picnic, though, it always gets those acts that maybe you wouldn't get anywhere else. Still. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about Charlie XCX, for, as an example. Who's on I ever- heard she was she was one of the ones that I heard being reported as was a great yeah and yeah. people were trying to get in and you know it was there was too many people she was fantastic to she her. was really good yeah and, but it was also the novelty for me of never having seen her in that yeah. way <coughs> she actually played a gig for 99 in 2012 <laughs> in, <laughs> in london she, yeah 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 Jesus. very small uh when just before it was around nuclear seasons came out in the camden crawl that's crazy i, I had a lineup I, i've said this before probably so <laughs> if anyone's heard me i'm sorry um disclosure charlie xcx a band called symbols who were kind of still around and then a guy called willie moon who went on to be uh, and an Australian pop idol uh, <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> unbelievable yeah so uh, we were a bit ahead of the curve there <laughs> there wasn't that many people at either of those gigs but uh, we I knew there was something special going on but she was great she was a brilliant uh, performer it was great atmosphere in there she did like the songs that she had written as well so like Fancy mm. with, with Iggy Azalea and uh, the Iconopop song I love it which I was not expecting because mm-hmm. um, did she play the the Spice Girls one yeah the worst song I, of the I year i actually <laughs> couldn't stay for that because of my aforementioned dj engagement so <laughs> i couldn't stay for <laughs> actually i did i went to see uh christine the queens very briefly who suffered probably over the weekend massively yeah she they put her on earlier than she was intended to uh, announced and then so there was kind of an overlap but uh, the one nice thing is that charlie xcx and christine got up together <laughs> and did gone um which was great um really nice to see that 
Uh, but she definitely suffered on the main stage, Christine. It felt like a bit of anti-climax after mm. so many times I've been like looking forward to seeing her again. I wouldn't put her on, a main, on the main stage. I mean, she no, had no the, she had a big was, show for it. Tent, like. There was lots of pyros and lots of dancing and yeah. stuff, and it just but it, I don't know, it just didn't really feel like the right. I was like expecting it to be a weekend highlight, and I was just like, oh, okay. I think they should have been swapped. I just yeah. think it would have made way more sense. There was way more people at that festival there for specifically for Charlie XCX, whereas Chrissy and the Queens, there just wasn't that much hype about seeing her. And I feel like Charlie XCX does have that like major mainstream crossover audience yeah. with a lot of the younger people who'd have been at the festival whereas Christine and the Queens would have I think they would find her boring yeah. to be honest like I love her but I think they would have found it boring so I think if they'd had a swap there maybe she would have benefited a bit more I think that gets to the wider point about the picnic lineup um, and the way it's gone you know and in general the way most festivals have gone like Longitude the way it started as an Indian rock festival and it's gone to a pop or more like a rap festival and there's definitely more of a pop element happening at EP, which mm. is makes sense because it's attracting a festival that sells out in advance um, without any lineup being announced is can do what it wants in terms yeah. of lineup. So and I think the makeup of the crowd at this point, even though there's plenty of opportunity to see something really interesting and unique and all sorts of variations like the likes of Mitski and stuff like that, um, you and obviously the Rave in the Woods and all that kind of things that it's become known for there's still a lot more uh, people-pleasing that's being done on the main stages, like, or even the tents. Like, I saw Alma, who was great, um, the Scandinavian pop artist, and, like, loads of people at that. Can you tell me about the 1975? Uh, I don't you know enjoy if, it? I don't know if I can. I'm sitting beside two fans. <laughs> Did you not enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed the production. Mm. Production's great. I just don't get the songs. I, I, ha I have it from a reliable source that um, it's... Kind of like what I was saying about Father John Misty a few weeks ago that like the fest the festival show was good, but it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I can tell that it wasn't the full be. show. It didn't yeah. have the mm -hmm. the full Talking Heads rip off stuff. And, yeah, yeah, you know, all that kind of thing. But um, I think uh, for Talking me, Heads inspired. <laughs> yes, like, I, I, I mean that. I mean I think, that. I think it's a rip off way. if you don't know you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but I think yeah, just for me, I just find the songs a lot of their hits are just not much further away from uh, a big pop act that I just couldn't be interested in, be arsed interested in or anything okay. like that. Like some of the, like some of the, the melodies and stuff is just not for me at all. That's some of fair. the music isn't for me. They open with people. Of course the they song do. We, 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 uh, Was it great? featured time? last week. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. How yeah. did you find it? Um, I had the absolute hoot of my life. Good. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's my seventh time seeing them. Um, so uh, I really, really enjoyed it. But I just like, I love their music so much. Mm. Uh, and like in such an unabashed, I don't even know how critical I actually am when it comes to their music. Because like sure. they played somebody else. I was crying. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just living every single single minute of it but I thought I thought it was good I caught them in the three arena um was it earlier this year in January um yeah. and it was it was much more scaled back than that mm. um they at one point unfortunately they I feel like they really lost the crowd though with the the Greta speech I heard about that yeah. it's disappointing because obviously I think that's a really cool use of their platform and it's but it's upsetting that like literally no one cared everyone around yeah. me just started like talking and there was like lads behind me booing and stuff and I was like ah oh, this is disappointing but it's also a festival set so I'm not too surprised by that yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe that speaks to um you know how they see themselves as opposed to anything else is like here's an important message that we should put on the stage yeah and mm -hmm. give the time um 
to breed. Um, I actually wasn't that bad around where I was when that was on. Um, people were kind of mostly paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a it is a brave thing to do to like basically put a recorded speech. And I think so. Definitely. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even if like if it got a bad reaction, that's still sort of holding a mirror, you know, and kind of saying, well, I mean, are you, you're not really going to be turning around and talking shit about this to your mates in 20 years time. Now, are you, you know, yeah. like it's, um, the world is ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Speaking of the main stage stuff, I, before we move on, I guess, uh, I really enjoyed the strokes, even though it was like an absolute spectacle. <laughs> um, I heard young Julian was a bit rude. <laughs> uh, he was all sorts. He was, he was, um, couldn't tell if he wanted to be there or or not yeah. and but i think he didn't the way he kept going on about it he would say things like i don't care play the next song or like well, and, but the band were kind of looking to him to like like they gave him that time where they could have just played the next song and he would have been he would have shut up and like mm, yeah. and a couple of points he, he walked away at one point and just like everyone was like where is he gone and then he turned to um Aaron Hammond jr at one point and was like um you're not going to recite that poetry you wrote yeah and it was just this uncomfortable, he was holding the mic to his face and it was like, and eventually Albert was just like, I don't write poetry. <laughs> and it was just like really awkward. So mean. There was loads of awkwardness on stage and he was like, if I had to fuck a guy, it would be fab. Uh, like, you know, he's a good looking man for yeah, sure. But yeah. like, it was like, just this, all this awkwardness and all the band were kind of like, can we play, can can we we play like, what's going on here? <laughs> so was, much so to the point that I, like when they got towards the end of the set and it was like the encore and I was like, I'm not sure they're going to come out for this. Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of wine involved. Apparently they were, they were given a, a very nice dinner in the banquet place actually where I did. Did you see them? No, but I heard they were coming in. Oh. So I'd say they had a lot of wine. Yeah. <laughs> there was that vibe of, it was like, yeah, giddy, but like troublesome and yeah. like yeah. trying to be mischievous um, and pretty much succeeding. But when they actually played the songs, uh, other than the fact that he forgot the words to uh, Someday, which is, you <laughs> oh, know, dear. pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I was like, I'm mm. so on board for this. I just didn't think, I didn't expect that much from a stroke show. Mm-hmm. And to get it and to ha- them to be so good was just really good. It was just unexpected for me. So I really enjoyed it a lot. For me, even though the lineup wasn't, or even the lineup was brilliant this year, I had like, I had no interest in going to EP just because of like crowd sizes and and that kind of thing. I'm I'm not able for it. But I I was thinking a lot about how you kind of have the 1975 and then the strokes as this like double act main stage on the Saturday night. And I was thinking a lot about how that kind of I don't know points to an evolution in our like indie pop boys mm-hmm. and when when you look at Julian Casablancas as this like legacy rock star and then you look at I, I guess like the next it next pop iteration of that sort of character yeah with like in, in Matty Healy it's funny to to think about how it's now cool to be socially conscious in this sort of endearingly um like naive way where I was I was talking to a friend about it during the week and I was saying that it's almost like when you're a kid and you find out about injustice for the first time and you're like, well, we have to do something about it. We have to, we have to start a petition. It's like, I'm sort of getting that vibe from my Healy and it's, it's nice that their fans, that the 1975 fans are like this young generation yeah, who are definitely. incredibly, you know, environmentally and socially conscious. And it's just, yeah, it's so funny to have that. And then right after the strokes where it's just this completely different 
thing that you're looking at. It's yeah. this cool it definitely guy. Felt, it felt like a vintage rock and roll show. Yeah, like it's it's a sense. different kind of cool like, that isn't really cool anymore. Yeah, it's the nonchalant. It's cool to care it's now. Like, yeah. It's not cool to not care anymore. Do you it's know? funny though, because the that description reminded me so much of the first time that I saw the 1975 in Cork. I saw them, they played the Savoy for like a Freshers Week thing. And Matt Healy did all of the same crack. Yeah. He was like yeah. falling around the place. It was a bottle of wine, shouting horrible things yeah. and just being like, a prick for the whole thing it was like the exact same type of description yeah. but now he's woke and now he's woke yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's clean now and yeah, he's sort that's of fair. like there's all sort himself out yeah are we saying that 2019 won't allow somebody to be uh unwoke these not, days not that it won't allow it's just it's just not it's just not as cool anymore yeah it's it's just it looks i think people get embarrassed by it that mm. type of behavior now when they look at it they're kind of like that's a bit well certainly lame. the rest of the band in the strokes looked a bit embarrassed by <laughs> yeah. It. yeah they were like we're just playing the tunes and we're doing a really good job and yeah what are you doing messing it up yeah kind of looks um um, but yeah, what about the main stage uh, for Billy Irish on Friday? Um, you were there. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. I was just surrounded by people just crying their eyes out. <laughs> um, it was it was crazy as well because it was just an experience I never really thought I'd have at Electric Picnic. Like it, it kind of reminded me of like a three arena type gig where you've got to see like some major pop sensation at their own concert and all right. their like stands are there or something. That's why I kind of felt like I didn't expect to ever see like five rows of people bawling their eyes out at electric picnic yeah and it was just it was like a proper frenzy of people like breaking down because she'd like run past them and the whole front rows were like people who looked like her everyone had their hair dyed the same color as her and all the merch and i was like this is so different to anything i've seen at electric picnic before anywhere where you're like where you're around like a load of like young girls and young women just looking at their absolute absolute yeah such a lovely it was such a lovely like feeling and everything and the, the crowd was lovely as well like I barely when it was said to me that I was so big I thought that because of walking out at the end but in terms of like crowd behavior during it everyone was like impeccable there was no shoving nothing bad there was like small children in front of me like it was just yeah it was a really nice crowd and she commands it so well as well you would not think she's a kid like such a baby yeah She's just a little baby. Like, it's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, she's, she's clearly able for it. She's so, yeah. so able. She yeah. is, yeah. 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 So beyond the main stages then, we had, uh, I got to see a bit of Mitski. Yeah, she did some Pilates on a table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing all sorts, yeah. Um, it was it was an intense thing to do on a Sunday evening, but I kind of <laughs> get it. I get where you were, like, you were talking about it before her show. Um, in did it bring you and, around to her music a bit uh, more? A little bit, but I still wouldn't be mad on it, but I really enjoyed the performance mm-hmm. and it, like that level of intensity was like something, I think it was only just not matched by her band probably. Okay. Yeah. And she seemed to be struggling a little bit with her band. She kind of, the gestures she was doing before and, and during seemed like she was giving out to somebody okay. at the keyboarders mainly. I don't know why. Um, But there was a bit of like, I don't know, behavior there that I wasn't sure of. But, okay. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting presentation. And I guess the thing for me, I guess, if you think about it in terms of presenting something like a a, a guitar-led show in that fashion, like we've seen David Byrne do it in the Three Arena and he really goes in for it, like sitting down at a table or like choreographing things. And there was elements of that in her show, but what was missing, and this is a festival show, so it's maybe not going to be the same and not going to have that opportunity, but the band were just there. Yeah. Right. And it, it kind of felt like no, there could have been something else there. The way that St. Vincent does it. Yeah. And the way she presents that show is like, and I kind of see feel like 
Mitski is could be on that level in a few years. I, I fully mm-hmm. agree. That's where she might be yeah, heading. Um, I think so. And I think that's an interesting thing to note. Mm. Um, other than that, uh, I didn't get to see Fortet, but I heard a lot of <laughs> love chatter about it. Yeah. Um, I, I read an interesting review. I think that review it. was taken down, so I never got to oh, see it. Oh, okay. Oh, never <laughs> it mind then. a hot press oh. review that was, uh, a lot of people were talking about this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fortet has a thing in the last while of not putting on the lights for his shows. Mm. And uh, building up the atmosphere and the beats, um, I couldn't stay for that. Uh, I just I was on my own. I wasn't in the mood for it. But I did go in for a little bit, and I was like, I know where he's going with this. But if I had been with a lot of people, it would have been maybe very enjoyable. If I was um, a betting man, I'd bet that this is going to drop at some stage. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you wouldn't put it past them actually, yeah. Forte, yeah. to be like, I'm going to do an hour and a half of ambient music. And then, half 11 <laughs> on a Saturday night in the second tent. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't actually put that past them. Yeah. But, uh, and then separate to that, I saw a lot of good Irish stuff actually this year. Um, I saw Nilo. You were at Nilo, Yeah, it was you? fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Salty Dog Show. Really, really um, competent and very confident mm. show. You had Genova from uh, New Sense on stage with him and Senu uh, doing the DJ role. Uh, really good. Really enjoyed that. Uh, saw the likes of Just Mustard, but Just Mustard as well, who mm. I think are fantastic. Um, saw Mango and Matman, shut mm. it down at the Body and Soul main stage late at night um, on the Saturday as well. Um, I was mostly working for the weekend, and then I was there with Laboom. Who Did you see any famous lovely, people in your banquet? Um, any celebs? Does James Cavanagh count? Yes. <laughs> Probably does. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, there was a lot of people there. Melvin Ben was there, there on the go. Sunday night. Um, Kelly, what were your highlights of the festival other than Billy Eilish? Um, other than Billy Eilish, I think Pal Pig um, kind of brought me back to life on Sunday. Um, I would have liked to have seen them in a more central part of the Where festival, I think. Sunday? They were in the three Made by Music stage and it just felt a little bit far out at that point of the day people weren't really wandering down um that way that would replace the other voices stage from yeah yeah I, I i really liked them i thought they were great um a mac was really yeah, impressive uh, at the body and soul stage i i could 100 percent imagine her on like a main stage um it was a really fantastic kind of similar balls actually to mitski um but slightly less intense and more like fun. Okay. Um, but it was, yeah, it was really good. Um, I think, yeah, they were kind of two of the big ones. And then obviously the 1975 really liked Florence. Like I've, I've seen that show multiple times now and still there's kind of like this fun wide eyed, like putting my suspense at the door. Like if any other artist told me to put my phone away, I'd be like, shut up. Okay. When, when Florence does that, I'm like, yes, I, yes, must, I must follow her. I yes. 100%. <laughs> yes. Mother. Um, yeah. And Nilo again was was yeah. wonderful, yeah. I heard James Blake didn't have a lot of people at his uh, tent on, no. on Friday night. No, and it wasn't a good it wasn't a good buzz. Um, I the I don't know. Like I'm a big James Blake fan, but it just wasn't working at all. He needs all. to stop doing festival shows. Yeah, I think like live shows generally don't seem to mix with him that well. And yeah. like I'm very, I, I don't really have that much interest in seeing him live. I love his his music. I love his albums, but. Hmm. just from what i've heard it, yeah it i just think he, well. he needs to do it in a proper theater for it to yeah work. yeah yeah and he has not done that here mm. since he did his first show in Wheelands. yeah on the just did he not play the olympia way. yeah maybe i was not that one actually but i yeah but maybe that works better i i don't think it did no i was, thing. I yeah. was really i was really disappointed because he was going to be like he was one of my acts i was looking for and then i got on there i was like this is actually 
quite boring. Okay. And uh, you can't even sing along with it or anything because people, other yeah. people were bored as well. So everyone was just awkward. Mm. Um, everyone yeah. was just awkward. Yeah, it was. Thanks, James. <laughs> yeah. uh, who else did I see? I uh, saw a bit of uh, Yuli, uh, really mm. good kind of show. Very, I mean, slightly different to his uh, regular show, which is more like uh, psychedelic indie R&B jazz vibes. It was pure about jazz vibes that I saw towards the end. Um, saw Silverbacks once again, and actually they'll be playing our a gig of ours on the 20th of September in the Workman's, which we'll be announcing on Monday. So look out for details of that. Um, I'm, I, You know, it's like you see so much and you're like, I'm, I'm actually looking through here to see what I actually did see. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Eve's Tumor um, caught his set, very weird, uh, on Sunday night. <laughs> it was like, he's on warp and it was just him on a table uh, riding around really. And I think, don't even know if he was singing really, but um, it was enjoyable. All the same. Oh, I saw Parquet Courts. That oh, was, uh, cool. Uh, that, that song, I basically was there just for one song, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, Wide Awake, which was fantastic. And uh, I caught a bit of um, The Streets, but I was already... Totally my head, forgot they were playing. My head was already out of the festival. I was driving home and uh, I he was doing a lot of crowd banter that I didn't have time for you didn't have your book at home <laughs> he was talking you. a lot about champagne but he was kind of like just kept talking about like the, to the crowd and it was like he was asking questions to the front row and you're like just fucking rap just yeah. stop this madness <laughs> it, but you know it <laughs> yeah like he, he started with like turn the page and i was like great this is gonna be good and then it just kind of like derailed slightly and i was like i don't have the patience for the rest of the show mm. so uh okay yeah. But look, that's the thing. I mean, like, the picnic is the massive um, festival event of the year in Ireland, and it's got not going anywhere anytime soon. So mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. I think if you want to go to see some of those acts, you will. You can have a good time, but there are certainly a lot of things I'd like to see change sure. there. Um, Would, uh, last question on the, on the picnic, were all of the stages horizontal? Oh, um, yes, they were. Oh, that's well, the salty dog isn't, isn't, that's, that's <laughs> okay. slanty. It's like, yeah, slanty. yeah, true. That's a slanty one. Yeah. Um, why would you bring it up? I asked because there, um, Samsung, um, has teamed up with Mabel, uh, for the world's first vertical gig, oh. which is a thing that we should care about. <laughs> um, it is live music for the Instagram generation, I guess. And it's, you know, just a three story vertical concert and you okay can take so i saw the picture of this pictures right pictures easily at it yeah so it fits in for your like uh landscape uh portrait portrait portrait, yeah. portrait. i always get those fixed. i was like landscape is landscape not yeah. portrait. Like, <laughs> um, it's the way you can fit um your uh instagram story so you could fit the whole stage on your instagram story finally yeah you know but um, i saw the picture of it and i was looking at it going it looks grim it doesn't make any sense because first of all if like the drum the DJ was on the bottom and yeah. on on their own and Mabel was in the middle and then the band were up the top so yeah. the the first two stories like nobody they have nobody to divide off on stage at no. all so I just felt it was a bit weird and also like like that's gonna work well if you're right in front of the stage yeah. if you're at the side of the stage it just seems like a really flawed logic because yeah. if you're literally not the person who's standing in the middle of the front row it will not fit your camera yeah. <laughs> like yeah. and you also have to have your camera like a very specific site like have they forgot that cameras are adjustable yeah like <laughs> it's I did see a picture from that same gig where some guy was holding it up 
uh, landscape. Like landscape. <laughs> Someone didn't get the memo. Someone didn't get the memo. I would purposely take all of my. I hope there was somebody there with an iPad. Landscape. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, people with iPads at gigs are just yeah, that needs to end. That only ever really happens. I I only ever really see it at festivals because I feel like if you if I saw it like in the Olympia, I would smash it off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, you idiot. Sure. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that is a marketing exercise that worked out for samsung got loads of press so hey we are talking about it sponsor us Um, you cowards but other than that like i think it's time we're moving into autumn now we're gonna uh you know things can be not always the brightest after you finish the summer festivals you're not a you're a fan of of autumn andrea who me (laughs) who you who me um i love autumn i was walking to work today and there was some dead leaves on the ground i was like you're ready for Give this. Give it to me. Yeah, I absolutely love autumn. Uh, Halloween's my favorite holiday of the year. It just all the vibes. I love jumpers. It's all, it's all a good time for me. So um, my I think my like main reason for being at all in a good mood <laughs> this week is just <laughs> the, jet, the the creeping coldness and darkness yeah yeah i've started my autumn playlist it's very sad you're you're right in there i'm so in there I so is that my, is that your reason to be cheerful yes my reason to be cheerful is that today i went outside and it was cold enough to wear a jumper but it was still kind of bright <laughs> that was nice i enjoyed that and i was listening to wilco <laughs> well, so, you're, 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 you're going deep i'm going it. hard on autumn this year that's my you got, you got your hot water bottle out ready to, not ready just yeah it, it is out it has been unpacked and i packed away my uh summer clothes um the other day um i don't really have summer clothes <laughs> jumpers but um yeah packed them away got the jumpers out i'm ready bring it okay very good thank you kelly do you have a reason to be cheerful um, I think pop music in general at the moment, I think like between the Taylor Swift album, uh, the Lana album, the fact that Charlie XCX has an album coming out soon. I'm just so full of like pop joy at the moment. I feel like it's the wrong time because we're going into autumn. This should have been happening during the summer, but I'm kind of happy that Trap is quietening down a little bit in the charts. <laughs> and now we're kind of getting back to some of the strong, powerful women making pop music and very and, good yeah speaking of strong powerful women uh one of my reasons to be cheerful this year is uh or this this year and this week in general is fka twigs coming back with a new album yes. called magdalene produced by nicholas jar um she did a long interview with id magazine this week and uh so the album is coming out before the end of the year uh and she was talking to id about it just saying you remember we talked about that spike jones ad that she did for um the apple yeah. homepod thing uh, which was just amazing. It turns out she had only just gone, uh, underwent uh, major surgery to remove tumors from her uterus like a few weeks before. So she was still had um, showing the scars or actually the staples from her uh, surgery. So her, all of that movement that she came up with was done because she couldn't do anything else. So that, I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing that album and what it's going to be like. Um, uh, she said it's about every lover that I've ever had and every lover that I'm going to have uh, just when you think it's uh, really fragile and about to fall apart there's an absolute defiance and strength in the way that my works never had before and uh, in the ID thing one, another thing that um, is uh, interesting in it that it says one of the songs sounds like uh, Opus Trees uh, 1992 song It's a Fine Day does anyone remember that song? No. It's going to be a fine day today. It was a really no. bad song. <laughs> but it actually kind of like, it's proto-grimes, which makes sense because 
we're going to go into our songs of the week. And the first of which is uh, from Grimes. And uh, this is called uh, Violence. And it came out today. That is Grimes with Violence, a new song that came out today um, from her forthcoming album, uh, Miss Anthropocene, um, fifth studio album. Uh, where do we start with this? Uh, I guess we talked a bit about Grimes before and, and, we and, talked a lot about Banks <laughs> and Elon Musk and all that stuff that's been going on. But like musically, what's been going on with her, she did a couple of tracks with some uh, J-pop kind of uh, singers as well didn't she and uh, had called uh, had some label issues that uh, prompted her to call, say my piece of shit label mm. um, so but the album is coming she had a song out last year called We Appreciate Power I wasn't a fan of that song Me was neither. anyone a fan of that song no yeah it was kind of like new metal kind of bubblegum electronic I like it. pop I don't think anyone here liked it okay um how do we feel about this song then it, it was made with a uh, producer io as well and the video features uh claire boucher reading uh the art of war so uh, of course it does yeah <laughs> i um i think it's fine it didn't it's it's much better than the previous track that she's put out and it makes me want to hear the album but it didn't move me in any way. I don't know. I, I think maybe I just have this cloud of Grimes now as the person with all of the shit we've been talking about around her over the past year or so. I, there was just something in this where everything I was hearing, I was like, yeah, okay, now she's doing that. Now she's doing this. This is all a bit, it just, it feels a bit Grimes by numbers. Um, to me, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be an outlier on this, and I, it only came out today. It might grow on me, but as I feel it like stands, the song could be a grower. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it. I was thinking that when I was listening to it, I was like, maybe when I spend a bit more time with it, I'll like it more. But as it stands, I'm like, it's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna return to it at the end of the year when I'm making a list. Sure. So Kelly, um, I think I'm kind of the same. Um, I think all of the personality stuff and all the drama just kind of distracts a lot for me. And I think I've, I've, it's been a long time since I've actively really cared about a Grimes song. Like I used to really like her stuff. Um, and in recent times, I just feel like I, I feel absolutely zero when I'm listening to it. Mm. Like I do think this is an improvement, but I think like she's done 
I just find a lot of the tracks are a bit heartless or something. They're just, they, I think there's artists who are doing that kind of cold calculated electro pop type sound infinitely better than she's doing it. I think a lot of like PC music or any of those types of styles are doing what she's doing more interestingly, I personally think. And she did a track last year with Bring Me The Horizon, um, the like British metal pop band. And it was one of the worst pieces of music I've heard, point blank. And I, ever yeah. since then, I'm just like... Very forgettable. Yeah. I just kind of forget about most she does. I think Grimes is an album artist. So again, I will wait to see what happens when that album does drop. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm not too much. I'm like, I like this, but like, I'm not like... I think I, I think I'm going to enjoy it more in a couple of weeks for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those songs that, as it grows in context, it will become more enjoyable. I want to hear this on big speakers. Yeah, probably. yeah, I want to hear it live. Yeah, I think without her really well. sound issues that she had the last time, the poor thing. Um, I think the electrocution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we'll move on to the next song. It sure. is from Bombay Bicycle Club. The song is called "Eat, Sleep, Wake." That is Bombay Bicycle Club. A song is called Eat, we- Eat Sleep, Wake. I was going to say, <laughs> yes, Eat, Sleep, Rave, Repeat. No, it's called Eat, Sleep, Wake, Nothing But You. From their fifth album, Everything Else Has Gone Wrong, which will be released in January 2020. Mm. We're, we're there now. I know. It's, it's happening. It's awful, isn't uh, it? They're playing Bigger Street on February 10th, 2020 as well. Um, and it's their first album since 2014. So long. See you tomorrow. Did they actually, they actually did like, they went on a hiatus then, right? Well, they broke up. They broke up. 2016. Okay. And they've come back now. Um, in the meantime, the singer Jack Steedman was doing a, a very different kind of project in 2017 called Mr. Jukes, which mm-hmm. was like all this kind of jazzy hip hop kind of production, which was really interesting, mm-hmm. um, but unexpected. Mm. Um, I will leave the floor to uh, you, Kelly, you're a bigger fan than me. So tell me how this fits in Bombay Bicycle Club's oeuvre. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's a really good song. Well, I really like it. I think um, I think Bombay Bicycle Club aren't like a revolutionary band in any way, shape or form. I don't go into their music like expecting them to reinvent the wheel. But I think of that kind of British indie sound that was big when they were first start releasing stuff. I think they're the strongest of that pack. Their music is still like likable and it's still interesting. And it's nice to listen to. Like, I don't think there's ever been a Bombay Bicycle Club song that I would like skip over because it's just nice music to listen to. Yeah, I found that with the last album I, was, I found it enjoyable yeah it's like really good study music um <laughs> yeah. I use it to study um and yeah I think I yeah I actually like the song it reminds me a lot of Def Cafe QE um which Would is you? always a positive for me um I put this song on on the playlist this week because like I wouldn't I think you you hit the nail on the head there about Bombay Bicycle Club where I I've never felt like they've you know revolutionized anything for me but they are it, like almost pleasant to a fault sometimes mm-hmm. but 
this when when it popped up on my like discover weekly or new music or whatever I didn't realize it was them and I was like who is this new sound um and it was them and I was like yeah I really really like this it's unexpected for me to like it as much as I do given the band because I'm not like a massive fan of theirs or anything but I like it it's sort of it's hazy and it, it bubbles along pretty nicely i can imagine it sounding nice in a live setting yeah mm. i like it what's Very your take um yeah it's it's pleasant it's pleasant. Yeah. uh produced by john congleton actually funny enough um which i don't really hear much of an influence on mm. in his mm. kind of sounds like bombay bicycle club to me yeah <laughs> pretty much just like slightly updated yeah you know, I, th- I think it sounds modern. like a little bit more maybe more mature than their sound before their sound before was very like it's the summertime and we're all outside whereas this is maybe a little bit more subdued things a little tighter yeah in general yeah it's a bit more like withheld yeah yeah definitely okay we'll move to another pick from dre this is a, a band called black marble and the song is called feels Black Marble, what is this cool new sound? I know, right? Um, so Black Marble is the project of a top called Chris Stewart from Brooklyn. Um, they have two albums, I believe, but it's just him now. It was him and another chap uh, for the first album, and now it's just himself. And I didn't know anything about this band before this week, and I, I heard this song, and it's just re- a really, really nice vibe like it's this kind of dark synth but kind of pleasantly upbeat at the same time sounds kind of hopeful um and then I delved into their last album which was uh it's immaterial from 2016 and it's kind of the same sort of stuff as this um and it's been a while since I've discovered a band where I like the sound of one song so much and then when you go back to their back catalogue it they it's still that do you know what I mean like it's still um they're kind of consistently themselves throughout so I'd if anyone doesn't I don't know may, maybe they're a very cool band to like and I just didn't know them already I, I'd never heard them before but, I, um, I was like reaching back in my memory to see if I yeah because they're released on Sacred Bones a, a pretty reputable label mm. and they have done for a while and the name does not ring a bell so. no not yeah. at all I, I, I just think it kind of fits into the sort of synthy revival that we've been having since like chill wave um maybe a little bit darker than chill wave if you're going back like before the whole stranger things th- thing maybe even to like the drive soundtrack reminds you of it a twin shadow maybe twin well, shadow very much so yeah um, or even well. like a, a timber tim timber 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 that band oh, yeah, yeah. um timber tombo. the kind of 
spookiness in it or something um yeah i'm just really really big fan of this song this week yeah cool kelly any thoughts on that one um yeah i'm always weak for that like 80s synth sound yeah. i think the second i hear something that's like a little bit lo-fi and has that i'm like nostalgic for a time period i never experienced same um, i'm yeah. like yes i'm in the 80s let's go um but yeah it's really nice it's definitely a strong mood yeah, I think sure. so, yeah. That is Black Marble. Song is called Feels. Up next is Kelly's Choice. It is Black Belt Eagle Scout. Song is called My Heart Dreams. As Black Belt Eagle Scout, Kelly, tell me more. Um, so yeah, um, Black Belt Eagle Scout uh, is my new favorite band name because it's so hard to remember and I think that's brave. Um, but uh, yeah, she's an artist on Saddle Creek Records, um, which is kind of always a plus for me. Um, I love that label so much. And she's just put out her second album. So she put out her first album, Mother of My Children, last September. Um, and it got really high praise from like Fader, Pitchfork. And it was kind of just absolutely out of nowhere as well. Um, and now she's just after releasing her second album, uh, which is called At The Party With My Brown Friends. Um, and she's just a really cool person in general. Um, she's like a radical, queer, um, indigenous feminist and uses her platform um, for kind of talking about those issues and, and problems that people face. Like the music video for this track as well um, is about indigenous women um, and like the intersections between them and LGBT communities and stuff. Um, I just, I, I kind of love the sound of it. It's got that kind of riot girl kind of aesthetic to it, but like a lot softer. There's a lot more kind of holding back on it. And um, it's just really, it's a really beautiful album overall. And there's a lot of acoustic numbers on there that are like really pretty as well. So okay. reminds me of uh, Soap West of 2014. Yeah. When I was there last <laughs> those kind of bands. Yeah. There's a lot of those, but uh, yeah, it sounds good. And uh, totally new to me. I had not heard this before. Same with me. Totally new. Um, will be listening more. Uh, didn't know much about her at all. So that's, you know, it's always a big plus when you see people using their platform for good mm -hmm. things and sounding good while they do it so yeah this might be a new fave yeah. for me great okay our final song for uh, this week is from Fortet uh, and it is called Anna Painting
has a new track from Fortet. Uh, I started listening to that on the way down to EP in the car on uh, oh. Sunday. Oh, sorry. There we go. He's off now. Um, <laughs> turned him off. Uh, yeah, Forte, uh, always worth to listen when he releases anything new, pretty much. And uh, again, I just love this track. I just think it's quintessential Forte in lots mm-hmm. of ways. It has all the pretty melodies, but lots of like nice um, bleeps and bloops in it that really actually become like a hook almost. And uh, I just think he has a, a way of producing music that is just fantastic. And I want to hear it all the time. And the EP is actually really strong for mm-hmm. three tracks that are n- not tied to any singular release. At all. They're just three tracks that appeared last week. Mm. How do you guys feel about it? I really, really like this track. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's lovely melodic. And then later when that... I don't know what that stringed in instrument is that comes in if it's like a if it's a harp or whatever it is that comes in later. Um He's been using a lot of those kind of sounds in the last few years. Yeah, it's actually he's always really used that kind yeah, of sound. But there's there's something in that where it's it's not such an obvious melody, but it it hooks really well in with everything else that's going on. It's kind of like contrapuntal to everything else that's yeah. happening around it. I think that's re- that's a, like a really really effective moment when that kind of gets its chance to have a little solo or whatever. That's what I think he's really good at as well as like yeah. not sticking to a grid and like being able to bring those elements into the music that seem to flow above it a bit more. And Definitely. Also aren't. And they give it that kind of organic texture, that kind of warmth to it. Yeah, it, it definitely, yeah. What Warmth is a, is a good word for it, I think, because it, it just brings something real worldy in, into, like, into the, into the machine. Um, and I mean, yeah, he's, he's always done that really well. The, I listened to the EP today and it's really strong. This is my favorite off it. Yeah. Um, it's based around, um, a series of paintings that a friend of his did oh. where, um, he, he composed three tracks and then she made three paintings based on those. And then for the fourth one, um, they did the opposite way where uh, she made a painting and he uh, made a song out of it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's a very eloquent well, way of putting that. But thanks for um, bringing that uh, to our attention. I yeah. No so it, yeah, it's, it's a cool kind of method of collaboration, I think, to kind of because the music is so kind of visual in itself that it makes sense that it would have this like external visual element to it, I think. Yeah. But yeah, big fan. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I think like he's a, a master of what he does, and I think he he does it in such an interesting way all the time. I think especially because I, I get on a bit of fatigue at music that sounds like Fortet because I think there's so many artists who try to emulate him, um, and they do it in a really boring way, and you just get sick of the kind of stabbing synth sound. Um, but he always manages to make it interesting, and that kind of human element as well. Like it isn't robot music like it mm. there's yeah. always something personal to it and it's always cohesive with each other as well so he manages to keep a common sound but always make it intrigue it feels otherworldly yeah. i feel like i'm in the woods hanging out with some fairies yeah and this do you think playing. there's something about the way he produces that uh allows for that like do you know anything about his setup i know he used to use like in a live setup he used to use like cool edit or something like that oh in really some ways. Yeah. like so like everything wasn't just tied to a grid yeah. necessarily the way the burial makes his stuff in um, yeah. like whatever it is cool edit or something like that so one of those audio programs that isn't necessarily tied to a grid like mm-hmm. ableton or something like that but um yeah i'm just interested in his process maybe that yeah. allows him to do that other than his actual creative imagination mm. you know uh, but that's fortet uh, the song is called anna painting 
And now it's time for our album of the week. It is from Lana Del Rey, and uh, the album is called Norman Fucking Rockwell. Let's hear a track from it. This is the title track. And child, you felt me so good that I almost said I love you. You're fun and you're wild. You don't know the ever the shit that you put me through. Your poetry's bad and you blame the news But I can't change that and I can't change your mood Cause you're just a man, it's just what you do That is Norman fucking Rockwell, the title track of Lana Del Rey's fifth album, um, and uh, it has been receiving a lot of praise in the last week, I would say, and I feel like we're not going to be any different here. Um, this is a fantastic album, to put it short. Um, but I didn't know what you were going to think of it. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm so happy that you like it. Oh. This is great. <laughs> Did I, I, I kept you in suspense. I didn't tell you. I thought, yeah. I thought we talked about this. No, already. no. No. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fantastic album. It's another week of a Jack Antonoff produced album mm-hmm. after you, last you week's Taylor though, Swift. You wouldn't know, No, you wouldn't. You really wouldn't. And uh, from my perspective, now Kelly, you can talk about it in more detail because you're a, a massive fan yeah. and so you can give us more context. But um, I've always struggled with Lana Del Rey's um, albums overall. I've always felt like they have dragged for me here and there and she has moments that she really stands out it's song wise like in singles wise or even um like on the albums but i've never been so impressed by her as i am with this album it is um i think it's her best album it's her fifth album it's her best for me absolutely she seems to have ditched um some of the aesthetic kind of uh, that she's been sticking to, that kind of faded American glamour thing, even though there's plenty of references still in there to mm. America and culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's so many references in the, in these songs to even like Led Zeppelin and uh, Laurel Canyon and um, Beach Boys and stuff like that. They're all there. But it definitely feels like a more of a singular statement that she's less chasing um, a pop uh, zeitgeist or anything like that like maybe some of her last album where she had ASAP Rocky and The Weeknd on it which just didn't work for me at all and I feel like this is a, a, a complete statement as an album and it works so so well and um, yeah so that's my opening thoughts on, on uh, Norman fucking Rockwell Kelly how do you as a fan how do you um, how did this work for you when you first started Um, I definitely think it's her best album so far I'd say by a fairly big amount especially after the last album which was the most disappointed I've been lost for life I just thought was quite a poor record um it was very much her trying to attempt to hit chart success when I think most of her strengths lie in being like a unique artist whether that's a likable thing or a dislikable thing depending on who you're talking to it still is her thing is that she doesn't kind of follow the the chart stuff um but I think yeah like the approach to this album I thought was really excellent so she started rolling out the singles 
last summer. Um, so there's been a single like every couple of months. So we've known, ex- I feel like most people who are keeping up to date with it knew exactly how this album was going to sound. And mo- the way that people were talking about it was we're all going to be so obsessed with this album because the single so far is so good. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's a, a really amazing piece. I think it's a lot of growth for her. I think she seems a lot more confident in herself on it um, and less trying to imitate the kind of greats that she references. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always had problems with talking about Lana Del Rey because I, I always find some of the discussion points around her to be... Mm, I don't want to say sexist, but I think a little bit sexist. Like mm. I, I, I find a lot of what she has historically come under attack for has been very gender based. And a lot of the standards that she gets held up to um, have been based on her presentation of femininity. Um, a lot of the time from other women as well. I, I, I found people would talk about her as if she was like very anti-feminist, mm. um, which I've always thought was incredibly unfair. There's small elements of me with with this album I think it's musically fantastic but I think the 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 different tone that people are using when they're talking about her and are kind of saying that she's like a bit more real now and stuff like that I struggle with a little bit I think I think the presentation of feminine I, I think with Lana Del Rey's music she's always presented a really interesting insight to what it means to be a woman and a certain type of woman the woman who is in relationships with terrible people mm. who they romanticize uh, and the woman who maybe doesn't have the healthiest relationship with her gender but yeah. you know still exists and who is and, still a valid and woman. is still a valid woman yeah. and like I've been in that situation I've had loads of friends who've been in situations where you're going out with someone who's a scumbag and mm. like you still romanticize them and she got so much hatred for that and I just I I feel like on this album she's a bit more like broken like she's a mm. bit more like bare bones emotion kind of regretting uh, like looking up to these men or regretting her partic- like her previous forms of um ideas around her own gender and stuff and I feel like that the language has changed because of that and it's like it's a really fantastic album but a small part of me is like is it she, is the femininity that she's presenting now a little bit more accessible acceptable because it fits what people like more yeah. and is that why some of the language around her is because a lot of the stuff is still similar she's still using the like old school references the glamour the american ideology type stuff um yeah that's just kind of one thing i've had a, a little bit of a bug about with a lot of the talk around it mm. um but i don't know whatever you kind of think yeah I, like I, I definitely agree that her her kind of all-american fourth of july aesthetic didn't didn't get it for a lot of it it didn't work for a lot of people for those reasons where it's like oh she's romanticizing a time when women couldn't vote or she's romanticizing toxic relationships and I I think that even though I haven't been a fan of her albums in the past I'm the same as you now I I feel like she's for me she's been a very strong singles artist and then the albums have kind of not done it for me but um I feel like what she's doing here is that little bit more maybe intentional or maybe it's the time that it's being released in like I feel like he th- like the ideas and aesthetics that work so well in this album have always been there with her but now given the context of you know talking about America and looking to America's past as something to hold up um as their their president does and as their Republican party does I think it's even more vital now that there is, you know, there's a mirror being held up to what was actually so great about America before. And I think she she works so well around that idea of Norman Rockwell, who mm-hmm. as an artist, you know, he he aimed to paint 
America at its very best. And it's clear that the America that Norman Rockwell was painting and the America that he was envisioning didn't exist then. And it was always an idealistic future that, you know, could be if America got its shit together. And I think Lana on this album is is doing the same thing. Mm. She's she's pointing or she's discussing an America that that isn't real um like she always has been but in the way that she's doing it now she's being critical of the idea that we're looking towards this past where things weren't good you know women didn't have a good time um the the american dream is is a con it's a sham you know and i think that that sort of like nostalgia tinged dissonance is what works so well on this album where she is she is picking and choosing the greatest bits of of America and American music and American culture like Norman Rockwell but she's also like like he did later in his career in his painting she's also kind of saying we're not living up to this and we'll never live up to this unless we sort our shit out and that's that's what makes this album feel like really just vital in its in its context now Mm -hmm. I feel like she's she's finally for me singing about a real America um and like through the lens of is this really the America that you want us to be do you really want us to go back there um and I just find that it's it, it it questions what we and like what Americans and what we as outsiders know America to be um and sort of says no this isn't what america is you know it's yeah yeah, i don't know i've just been thinking a lot about how she's navigated her her image of an all-american kind of you know woman in like a jimmy stewart film or a like the a rebel in the backseat of a a, a cabriolet is that a chevrolet Chevrolet, that's the one um like it's just that that very kind of 1950s teenager aesthetic that you know never never existed and now she's just kind of cleverly turning it on itself or the culture has turned so that now she fits it I'm not sure which one Mm. it is but I I think that's giving her less credit than she deserves maybe uh for this album and the way she's talking about those things yeah I don't know like it's not 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 that like I'm not saying that the culture has changed and now it works by accident I mean more that the culture has changed so now she has an opportunity to speak on the same level as people like I, I I think she's been pointing to America's past in a critical way for a long time but critics haven't necessarily delved any deeper than oh or the the critics that you you were yeah, kind yeah. of alluding to there that than saying she's romanticizing the past or she's romanticizing toxic relationships I think she's always been critical of that in her own way you know I find this a lot more personal than her other work mm, in general, mm-hmm. but also in terms of what you're talking about there, in terms of like American pop culture, like mm. the song "The Greatest," the way she talks, like "LA's in LA is in flames, it's getting hot." Kanye West is blonde and gone. Life ain't Mars ain't just a song. I hope the live stream's almost on. Like it just feels more relevant to to what's going on now, and yeah. generally speaking in the world than uh, some of the other things she was reaching for. I think, mm. and that's maybe for me where I, I this chimes more but also per on a personal note like she's writing a lot more personally I think yeah. 
on this album than she ever has um and that is something i find quite engaging like like even there's there's things there like we've joked before about like you could come up with a alana del rey song title or whatever you know but there's stuff in there that's like 24 7 sylvia plath yeah or like ice cream ice queen you're like yeah okay that's total Lana del rey like territory but like it just fits it more it's like she's just more comfortable in all this and mm. she's she's got to the point where she's a better songwriter she's got good collaborators working with her who are uh working to her vision and the songs are just way better they're just mm -hmm. way better overall and she's created this like where the last album was trying to do that like uh, some of that trap pop stuff as you said mm -hmm. like this is not compromising in any way mm -hmm. but it draws from all sorts of um previous genres and like but it just kind of feels like its own thing again yeah. which is why when she first came out with um like video games and stuff like that there was some it was so impactful because mm -hmm. she exists outside of the pop side guy she's not a part of it most of the time and it's easy to forget that because like she is spoken about at the same time as all these other artists but i think she's totally different than anyone yeah. else mm -hmm. um Almost like I was surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but I was almost surprised that when she played uh, Malahai Castle earlier this year that it was completely like stuffed. Right? Yeah. So did you go to that? No, I had tickets, but then I ended up going to Body and Soul. Okay. Uh, I was, that was the same weekend. I was glad to miss it. Yeah, it was the same okay. weekend, which was a huge mistake for the gays of Ireland. We were all yeah, pretty, pretty okay. upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think here she's, yeah, she's definitely moved away from being that sort of, maybe adhering to an aesthetic of like mid 20th century like values where men were men and women were sad and now it's 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 kind of like pointing more towards the fact that the values of today are regressing to that time and as well as that her, her melodies have never sounded better like mm -hmm. her actual music her vocals have never sounded better yeah. she just like there's not a song on this that i take off the first time I heard Do and Time, I was jarred. I was like, oh God, I don't know about this. Now I'm like this. Which is a cover of yeah, the Sublime yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, one, one of my songs of the year, for sure. Could have um, went either way. Yeah. Like, it was so close to being, a, like the original is a cod reggae LA song. Yeah. So, like it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. She keeps elements of that and somehow it works. It, it was made so for well. the, there was a, they're making a documentary about Sublime and that was what, where it originally was oh, written really? like re recorded for it and then she recorded it and she was like hold on i want this i want this on my album yeah. <laughs> um and then asked the label and that's how gone i think uh i think the greatest is her greatest song um that she's written it's just i it just moved me so much when i heard it i just, mm -hmm. it's just this there's a whole world in that song just like you can take out any words that she's even saying and and it's just so musically rich and mm -hmm. warm and absolutely gorgeous um but yeah I, I i do think that her her being more personal on this is also her being that bit more political or that bit more kind of um co coming at she the world she and feels it feels like she's more assertive though yeah mm -hmm. her, yeah her absolutely definitely as well 100%, and yeah. Like yeah the way she's goddamn man child yeah like she's addressing the men and and like not this like i'm too cool for mm. for this or like she's not she feels like a more a well-rounded person yeah in terms of her lyrics and I, more personally 
giving more of herself as well. I think mm-hmm. the level of intimacy on some of the tracks is just like phenomenal. Like Mariner's apartment complex for me mm-hmm. and hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have. Yeah. They're such rawly confessional songs that you just don't hear in pop yeah. at all. Like, and there's stuff that I think, I always say this with Lana Del Rey, I just feel like she communicates my understanding of femininity in such a, a wonderful way. Like when I'm listening to that music, I feel like I'm hearing someone talk about things that I never hear being yeah. spoken about in in music. And I think the the interesting thing was like, like there was an interview of her recently where she was explaining um the greatest and the lyrics about Kanye West and stuff. And people asked her about her politics um in it. And she said she was a centrist. Um and people on Twitter were like getting really angry about it and stuff. Mm. Um being like, why aren't you left wing? Whatever. And I was like, why are you looking to this particular individual for your politics for that type of like because the kind of woke politics artists are very polished and if you can go to something like Lizzo that's fantastic but with I think with Lana Del Rey it is that kind of confessional stuff that's coming out now where it's like raw I wouldn't expect her to be like politically I feel like her politics is personal it's it's her personal experience and it's not really like sloganeering which makes it kind of seem a little bit more honest I think than what you're hearing um elsewhere in the charts and and stuff yeah yeah, I think with with kind of female pop stars, there there is definitely something in her that it it feels like she's singing the things that I wouldn't really say to my friends. Mm-hmm. Like even even in in her past albums, like yeah, we've we've all gone out with people who are awful, and yeah. we think they're great because they're awful, and like it's it's just sort of talking about the stuff that as feminists you don't really have the floor to talk about mm-hmm. because it's problematic and because it's not helpful to the cause and things like that and it is helpful sometimes to just hear somebody say yeah this guy is really horrible to me but I love him anyway because it's like okay yeah that that happens that happens to women and there's there's an honesty and there's a there's a kind of an authenticity in that where just because you're singing about something like that doesn't mean that you're that you're you know condoning it you're you're providing a space for a person to recognize their own behaviors and their own feelings within that and I think that there's like I've I've had to kind of learn over the years that that's what she's doing and not be as critical of her you know singing her truth and if her truth is a bit centric like I am I don't know just like from interviews with her and from like stuff she said publicly about Trump and stuff, I don't know if I'd put her there. That's the thing. But... And th- that's what I kind of thought was it came across quite even more authentic in this kind of situation because I don't think she probably actually is a centrist because the way that she talks about things is always mm. quite liberal left wing. Yeah. But she's just not really a virtue signaler. And I think that's quite refreshing yeah. in, in pop music. She probably doesn't have the, the an, enough confidence to say like it, it, it'd be hard to say oh well I'm left wing and then all of a sudden all these people are like oh well what about in 2011 Literally, when you said this yeah. and it's probably just better off playing it safe <laughs> yeah. and also like we don't need to ask her about her politics Literally, like, her, yeah. her, her music is the thing that matters here and I me personally I know she's not um, from her interactions on Twitter today she's not that up for people we'll get to that. taking too much um taking too much from her album that isn't there but for me personally this album helped me understand what what American kind of what the whole make America great again thing it 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 just it just kind of made that make sense to me and it made it brought that to my attention in 
a new and refreshing way, like new and refreshing ways to hate that mm -hmm. as a statement and hate that as a political kind of um, asset to a campaign or anything. It, yeah, it just, it just kind of brought that up in like a really sort of personal way that I was just so floored by and so moved by. I don't know if she was doing it or not, but that's what I took yeah. from it. Sorry, yeah. Lana. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it bears repeating that like her vocals on this are the best she's you, ever done. And yeah. when I went back and listened to some of the album tracks that I even, I really enjoyed, I just didn't get the same sense of um, power or feeling from previous from, albums, uh, from previous albums mm -hmm. as I do with this one. I just think she's singing better she's giving herself more space she's sounding less like you know if you, a lot of the criticism in the early days of Lana Del Rey was like she's playing this role and this mm -hmm. aesthetic and like it doesn't feel like that anymore yeah mm -hmm. she's spending a lot like more time in those upper registers yeah, as well like she's, she's found a lot of um I remember the first time I heard that song Shades of Cool I think it was from is it from Ultra Island I think so, yeah. yeah like I was like oh I didn't know she had this in her and mm -hmm. I I feel like that's been more fully realized on this album now um, so I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to hear a bit of California, the greatest or love song? I thought the greatest. I, the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It is, is the greatest. greatest. <laughs> Those nights were on fire. We couldn't get higher. We didn't know that we had it all. But nobody wants you before the Well, before we sign off, after all, there's one other thing we should talk about, Atlanta, right, which happened today. Oh, yeah, it's happening again. I haven't figured this out yet. Um, yeah, so uh, as we saw with Lizzo a few months ago, um, responding to critics, this was a bit of a strange one today. Um, Lana Ray responded to Anne K. Powers, who wrote a very long um, essay almost about the mm -hmm. album and mostly glowing, but it just brought to mind so many questions about uh, the nature of the artist-critic relationship and whether some a critic can be wrong if they're told by the artist. So Lana Del Rey responded to Anne K. Powers about the review. Um, do you have the text there? Yeah, so she said to her, here's a little side note on your piece. I don't even relate to one observation you made about the music. There's nothing uncooked about me. To write about me is nothing like it is to be with me. Never had a persona, never needed one, never will. And she followed that up with, so don't call yourself a fan like you did in the article and don't count your editor one either. I may, I may never have made bold political or cultural statements before because my gift is the warmth I live my life with and the self-reflection I share generously. And that was, yeah, that was in response to like a largely kind of... Um, approving and positive review of an album that was incredibly well researched and well written and had a lot of the the writer's personal experience with the album in it yeah. and I just I don't think this is a good look for any artist but especially somebody like Lana Del Rey who has stands and is just gonna 
cause a a stampede on this writer. And so it all. seems like she just she other than like the word uncooked in there is mm. something that like bothers her. There's a couple of other things in the mostly glowing review that mm. it says that are a bit negative, but mostly that like it, with that it's comparing her to uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, a song from 1972 and it said. Uh, Mitchell's lyrics read as poetic and incisive next to it. Del Rey's feels uncooked. Mm. Um, that's just one line in it, but it's generally overall very positive. There's another part I noticed earlier on that was a little bit maybe uh, negative about her. Um, but I think overall, like what I think is like, okay, first of all, she shouldn't have done this. She shouldn't mm-hmm. have responded because there's been unanimous, pretty much critical praise about this album. So to hone in on one a couple of different words in a review um, is one thing. But the other part of it is, like, just because Lana Del Rey doesn't see herself in Anne K. Power's review doesn't mean that it's not a valid observation mm. because music is can be there to be interpreted by critics and it's not necessarily... We're getting into Barth's death of the author here, which <laughs> is uh, the philosophical con- uh, concept that if once you create a work and no longer belongs to you, the author is dead and the work is only alive in the experience uh, of the person receiving it. And I subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. well, I mean, most people do. And even yeah. like most artists are like, well, you know, it's out in the world now, so you can. I won't give you the meanings of it. Yeah. And now in this day of genius and all that kind of stuff, even... Uh, I saw on Genius earlier on one of the songs where she talks about a black narcissist. Uh, fans were wondering if it meant... Um, it was a reference to Azealia Banks because she had a go at her mm. earlier this year and she, and she vehemently was like I don't write songs about race I don't write songs about specific people who I don't know Yeah. so and it was very much in the same uh, vein and language as she like responded to Anne K. Powers yeah um, I just I, I, I think that there's a risk here not not only of you know d- damaging a, a writer's reputation and and making them have a shit time of it on Twitter. There's a risk here of kind of narrowing in in too much on what an album is about and what is actually contained within it. If you keep telling people, no, that's not what it's about. No, that's what it's, that's not what it's about. It, you'll run out of things for it to be about, you Mm. know, like the, what, what I love so much about this album is that there is a multiplicity of interpretations contained within it. And, you can listen to it in one mood and experience one thing. You can listen like it, it it contains multitudes. It has layers. And for her to just say, no, that's not what it's about, I think is doing a disservice to good criticism. And it's also doing a disservice to good songwriting. Yeah. It's just a shame, really. I think, um, I think, it, yeah, it's always a bad look. Um, I wonder what the motivation behind it is with Lana Del Rey um, for, for the response. Because I think like if you look at like the, the change from her interviews uh, in earlier albums to what she's doing now, I think she's very actively made a decision to drop the persona that people critiqued her for having. Mm. So I think she's trying to come across like a regular person now um, and she's trying to be like open with things. And I think potentially there, there could be a... a uh, a reluctancy to have any type of thing projected onto her. I think mm. she's scared of different interpretations being projected onto her because she's opened herself up in this different way now. And she's scared of people perceiving her in different ways. Cause I watched an interview of her last night as well, where she was saying that James Franco, the actor 
um, said he was writing a book about her called Conversations with Lana Del Rey. Mm. And um, she contacted him about it. And she was like, I don't really know you. Uh, what conversations have you had with me? And then he sent her on like excerpts about it. And she was talking at length about how he projected this vision of a type of woman on her right, and okay. all this sort of stuff and how much she hated it and how bad it made her feel and stuff like that. So I wonder if it is coming from this idea of like, she doesn't want personality traits projected on her, mm. which I think... I, I understand, but like at the same time, you're an incredibly famous pop singer with a large persona. So that's going to happen with yeah. you and you have to accept that. And also to um, say you've never had a persona, never will, is like, it's a fallacy. Like you, yeah. you have and you... Whether you want you one arrive. or not. Yeah. Like you, and you went along with that narrative for the first album at least. Mm, so yeah. I don't think that's fair. And yeah. every pop singer has a persona. Even if your persona is being like a down to earth, cool guy in a band who's really that's your persona yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. you like it or not you're famous so it's a persona yeah, yeah well i mean you, her, her her artist name is not lizzie grant it's yeah Lana yeah Ray. exactly so, yeah you know you do adopt something yeah that. yeah like by by performing and putting music out there you are doing that yeah so. and i felt so bad for the writer as well because she's clearly a fan and you can and, see and that Burrs is like yeah a legend like, she's like been doing this for years and she put together loads of uh, i have loads of books at home best music writing yeah did for like eight ten years in a row she would collate the best writing of that particular year yeah and uh yeah she's great and like it clearly it's a very well written piece and it's not a hit piece in any way no so i think all these artists need to figure out how to uh, uh, uh take criticism like yeah. chance the rapper trying to get a bad review taken down or yeah or lizzo reacting uh negatively to uh a lukewarm review even yeah. though she is now currently number one yeah in the u.s billboard charts is, is there something where like once an artist gets a, a nine or above on pitchfork they think that everyone else is then wrong like what if they've especially a pop artist it's like oh if we've cracked pitchfork then anybody who has any anything negative to say they're clear they're clearly not right i don't know it's just something it just shows like a like st stand behind your work as itself mm -hmm. you shouldn't need to explain it like that's oh it's so boring yeah and the funny thing about all that is that like you know it gives so much power to actual critic reviews mm -hmm. when in a time when everyone's talking about there is no power in it yeah. yeah and i think that's really interesting as well to be like like if the artist really felt like it didn't affect their career they should just leave it completely yeah. but obviously they feel the need to respond to these things and i think that's someone needs to take their phone away yeah. i think it's goofy as well because like we don't live in an age where music critique is particularly harsh like it's very rare to see a lot of very harsh criticism of music so it's just like you're gonna hear things maybe that you slightly disagree with but there's rarely like hit pieces yeah. um yeah. anymore even that so, word like, uncooked could just mean like it's more like uh, raw ingredients as yeah. opposed to like oh it's undercooked yeah. yeah like that's a different thing i think yeah. so yeah so. and i think as well like most i, I know like mo most people that i know and, and myself included would approach an album review still like fr from a personal perspective like when you're writing an album review you, there's you can't be objective like there's so much subjectivity in your experience of the album mm -hmm. and the things that you're bringing to it that's why there's good album reviewers and there's bad album reviewers otherwise you'd just be listing what songs are good and what songs are bad you know like writing a, a, a review or a piece around a piece of music is creating something in itself and I think to try and police that and to try and um sort of co come at that with a with a red pen 
so it sort of takes away a lot, a lot of the work that goes into writing a piece like that, which is brilliant. I really, really like that piece. And I thought it was really well thought out and well presented. And it's just kind of got this black mark on it now because people are going in looking for the bad mm-hmm. thing that she said about Lana Del Rey. Which isn't obvious at all. No, not at all. And it, But it's there's there's so much more to that piece. It's a whole narrative in itself. Like, And just let let things exist alongside your music, yeah. you know? I think you're right. I think we a lot of people need to go back and look at the old NME reviews yeah. or Q reviews or Rolling Stone reviews and see how bad and how yeah. negative and how uh, crude and yeah. and, and that can be fun like some the, of those people were but mm-hmm. you'd, you'd never do it about an artist who didn't deserve it you know do you remember and, that jet review on pitchfork oh, yeah, just the, the monkey drone shit or something? yeah yeah just a picture of a monkey drone shit. <laughs> jesus yeah so thankfully we don't have that anymore <laughs> no um but okay that's lana del rey's album we all agree it's a it's a fantastic uh album probably one of the albums of the year for me yeah yeah, yeah. okay Cool, great. Let's uh, play a bit more of the song just to wipe the slate clean from the critic talk. This is a love song. I believe in a place you take me, make you real proud of your baby. In your car, I'm a star and I'm burning through you. In your car, I'm a star and I'm burning through you. in a lifetime lying on your chest in my body dress I'm a fucking mess but I oh thanks for the highlight baby it's the best pass the test and yes now I'm here with you and I would like to think that you would stick around you know that I just start to make you proud The taste, the touch, the way we love It all comes down to make the sound of our love song Dream a dream, here's a scene, touch me anywhere Cause I'm your baby Grab my waist, don't waste any part I believe that you see me for who I am So I spill my clothes on the floor of your new car Is it safe, is it safe to just be who we are? Is it safe, is it safe to just be who we are? Yes, it is safe to just be who you are. <laughs> it is Lana Del Rey with Norman fucking Rockwell. Uh, guys, what um, have you been reading and watching and listening this week? What have we, what's been consuming you? Uh, I've been reading a very good book called How to Lose a Country, The Seven Steps from Democracy to Dictatorship by ECE, is how she spells her first name, uh, Tamel Kuran, who's a Turkish writer, um, political writer. Um, and the book sort of looks at what's happening in uh, Europe widely, but particularly Britain and the US um, in terms of populism and relating it to um, kind of tropes that have been occurring in Turkey for years. Um, and it goes through seven things you need to do to you know destroy democracy um and become a 
populist leader and eventually um, a dictatorship. So a light week, <laughs> really. Um, you know, not much else going on other than that. <laughs> uh, this has probably been informing my highly political interpretation of the Lana Del Rey <laughs> album, to be honest. But um, but yeah, it, it is genuinely excellent. Um, it's essentially easy to read um, because, you know, it's there's a lot of kind of big politics in it and I'm I can get confused by stuff like that um I still don't really understand Brexit but it's I I think probably in the times that we're living in now anybody who is worried or is you know anxious about the world that this this has given me a better understanding of kind of the science to look out for so I'd absolutely recommend it yeah very good That's I've me. been listening to the podcast you recommended last week which was Land of the Giants Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's Amazon. good, isn't it? Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, I realised they're going to actually probably go after, or go after, but uh, feature a whole series on Facebook then and Google, presumably. Yeah, I, I, uh, I the need, Amazon like, one is interesting, especially all the Alexa stuff and the yeah. um, the way that they talk about customer obsession and all that kind of mm, thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Depressing. I need the great Cambridge Analytica podcast of the ages. Like, I need someone to just make that. <laughs> and I feel like these these guys might do it. So. Right, very good. Uh, Kelly, what have you been consuming? Um, I've been consuming academic papers and college work. Um, so not much space outside of Anything that. Anything interesting? Um, uh, no, it's all it's all pretty bleak. Um, I yeah. The no, Taylor Swift album. So, the Taylor Swift album has has been. I listened to the Lana album for eight hours straight yesterday oh, whilst cool. doing study. Yeah. Um, I've been going through Noah Baumbach's movies this week. So watch Francis Ha. Um, and then That's watched really Mistress good. America last night. So uh, I think he's got a new one coming out soon. Uh, so preparing for that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I started saw- watching that uh, TV show Euphoria, which oh, is yeah. very good, very stylistic, um, uh, very interesting, and basically a teen drama show, but around modern life and social media and uh, but done in a real way that's not shit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i've been <laughs> to excited to watch it yeah. yeah it's great really good and finished the i'm uh, just watching everything else i've been watching in the last few weeks succession and finished legion the final episode oh. of that show which Dre does not like i don't like that show. <laughs> um, yeah uh, i also went to the cinema i went to see the souvenir um which is the new uh joanna hogg film has tilda swindon um and a lady called honor swinton Byrne, who i think is the niece of tilda or something like that um sounds like it and uh richard iowadi has a very small part in it i'm like <laughs> a huge fan of him um i love him and i i love when he does like real acting and real performing and he was excellent and he was only in it for one scene he was hilarious but also brilliant like just brilliant acting and yeah very strange film um hyper realist and um artsy i don't know we'll say but um i was confused and felt suffocated throughout the whole thing and then at the end I, when i was leaving i was like oh i was quite moved so you know art films uh, <laughs> yeah it's very good I'd, I'd like to watch a good film now this uh, this weekend i think mm-hmm. yeah. i'm not going to be doing much souvenir it's good yeah good um i <laughs> i watched a very cool movie called the matrix <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the matrix so cool yeah. <laughs> I even wanted to watch it was like okay let's watch it i was like this is very enjoyable every time at every first time i thought I this it. is going to date so badly mm-hmm. but actually it hasn't i mean i mean the costumes are the costumes and you know that kind of cyber techno mm. but even when you're looking at those visual effects now they're still they're as good as you know any of the other ones that are happening in marvel films and stuff like yeah so ahead of their game yeah, and sure. I I like all three of those films. 
I haven't seen the other two yet, but maybe I'll watch them At all? next week. No, I have. I oh, have right. but like not for 10 years or whatever. Mm. If I remember, they weren't as good. But they weren't as good, but yeah. Yeah. They're entertaining enough. Yeah. Ah, good. Good old fashioned action mm-hmm. movie. It's good. With, like sci fi tendencies into that. Uh, that's it from us, I think, this week. Yeah. 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 Um, what is going on uh, this week? Nothing. I'm going to have a very quiet week. Do you know what's going on in October, though? Yeah, go on, tell them. We are doing a live podcast at the Cork Podcast Festival. You can see us on October 13th um, in, is it Kino or the, the ki- Kino? The Kino. The Kino in Cork. Um, and we're very excited and we're doing plans and yeah, get on down. It's free, but I think you need to get a ticket. Do you? I, 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 th- I think so. I don't know. Sure, sure. Well, from what I've heard, Cork people just show up places <laughs> and they don't buy tickets. It's like is... how I got here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like apparently it's a thing in Cork where it's like it's like oh, have you got like people will be going to gigs? And it's like no, I don't have a ticket. I'll just buy it when I get there. And I have that from reliable sources. So I heard Sam about Galway though. Oh really? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see. Um, so yeah, we're doing that. So fun yeah. times. And I should say, speaking of Cork, we uh, helped out on the music trail for Sounds of Massive Harbour Festival mm-hmm. next weekend. So have some of the acts playing at the music trail, part of the free music trail, part of the weekend. It's going to be an amazing festival, starting with John Hopkins on Thursday night doing a DJ set in Dali, which is completely sold out. But we're giving a, we're doing a prize at the moment for tickets for John Hopkins and a hotel stay that night and then tickets to Grand Brothers as well the following day. The likes of Sam Amadon, uh, Leslie Feist, Queen and Rahala, um, all sorts of interesting people are doing stuff and uh, we have the likes of the Mary Wallopers playing some trad sessions on the Sunday Garrett Quinn Redmond uh, Nilo's playing his first Cork gig but Jar Jar Jr. as well so lots of interesting stuff happening in Cork next weekend so uh, I will look forward to that I'm going to have a quiet weekend this weekend lovely maybe maybe who knows <laughs> I have no plans. Good. Um, Kelly, what are you doing? You're, you've got a gig happening this week. Yeah, I'm playing. Uh, I'm doing a DJ set tomorrow night in the Bernard Shaw um, for Gash Collective with So Hot, So Spicy. It's going to be a big night of bangers. Um, so that's Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Friday night. Um, so I've been getting some drum and bass ready earlier. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited for how it's going to so go nice. down. Last time I played I there, I just played loads of drum and bass because there was no one there. And I was like, this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but all the staff were dancing. So I was like, you know, it's a victory. But uh, yeah, yeah. that's be a lot of fun and of course you make music as gadget on the cloud yeah. you have some gigs coming up soon um i've no live gigs coming up soon um i've uh, done a, a bit of a, a stall ball before my thesis is due so i'm taking a little bit of a break um but i'm playing i'm djing the weekend the week after for district magazines um that's a culture night uh, culture event. night event yeah oh, so cool. that's in who else is on that one uh yeah. it's so it's me pat lagoon um sailor vidame the district lads and boy wonder um, so it's a mix of DJ sets and uh, live performance. So it should be great crack. Cool. That's the same night as our Workman's gig. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we can run around the corner yeah. and have a look. Uh, so that Workman's gig is the 20th of uh, September. Got and it, That's the same night as everything else that's yeah. happening in Dublin, to be uh, fair. Now. It is culture night. Uh, it is but it's free night. in, though. That gig will be free in. Silverbacks, uh, Odd Morris a band called GIF who we featured recently and then the Mary Wallopers are doing a trance mm. session as well Lovely. so lots happening on Culture Night as there ever will be um, and we're going to leave you with a track from oh I should say patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to support us what we're doing uh, put up a modern ambient playlist this week and a couple of other things coming and still working away on those t-shirts they're going to be here very soon um, and the badges also 
are here. I've seen the badges. Just about. Okay. That's it. Patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to give us a few quid. Um, throw some dosh. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a track from a band called Echo who have a new EP out on the 13th of September. Uh, we had these play one of the Future Proof gigs uh, last earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year. And they were great. This is a song from them called Cabin. And that's it from us. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.